Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Alyssa Fox, and here is a bit about Alyssa. Alyssa specializes in organizational effectiveness and work with organizations and individuals to not only successfully execute change, but to thrive in moments of transition. She has over 14 years of consulting and coaching experience with Fortune 100 companies across a wide range of industries, giving her a wealth of real-world examples and experience from which to draw actionable advice that goes beyond the heavy-on-theory, light-on-execution stereotype that plagues many consultants. And today, we're going to dive into learning through failure. What does that mean? What does that look like? And how can you learn from your failures? So without further ado, please welcome Alyssa Cox to GEMS Podcast. Thank you so much, Genesis. And it's a real pleasure to be here today. Um, And as uncomfortable as failure can be, it's a real pleasure to be here talking about failure. Uh, Everyone you know has failed. I've failed. You failed, I'm guessing, right? Very expensive consultancies that you pay to come in and and help you and help your organization. They have also failed, although they're going to use different language to talk about it. And you may be sitting here going like, this is not a great endorsement for this woman's product and this woman's consultancy, but facing failure head on is really key to learning as an individual and as an organization. Um, And so really excited to be able to spend some time today talking about what it means to take advantage of the opportunity that failure gives us to to learn and grow. Absolutely, I have definitely failed uh, numerous times, whether it's trying to launch a business, whether it's um, co-running a business with my husband, or, you know, maybe, and even in corporate America, you know, maybe my supervisors thought I failed at one point, maybe it was on a project or et cetera, but I had, I definitely learned how to take those failures and turn them into learning lessons, as well as um, curves, curves that I'm able to get over and now talk about to help other people, especially when you spend 15 years in a corporate setting, you definitely learn a lot. So um, before we dive in, I want to kind of talk about some mind mapping. What are the key words that we've heard around failure? And I'll just throw out two. So fail fast, fail forward. So those are two that people say, and they use them interchangeably sometimes. What are some of the other ones you've heard, Alyssa? So the other thing that we hear about when we talk about failure, um, we hear about obfuscation. We hear about hiding failure. Uh, We also hear about, as we think about, uh, as we think about failing in, uh, in, in a personal setting, right? Failing and getting right back up again, right? Getting back on the horse is another thing that we talk about with regard to failure and as a way of moving past failure. 
Absolutely. And the reason why I wanted to do that little brainstorm exercise before we dive in is so that it resonates with the listeners and the viewers on some of the overarching themes that they've heard around failure and how we're going to debunk that failure where it's not going to be a condition that limits you, but it's going to be a condition that helps you thrive once you recognize why that failure happened, how it's going to set you up for success and et cetera. So as we dive in, I want you to talk about a time that you personally failed um, in your personal life or your business life, because you're obviously running a successful consulting company, but you had to have those start ugly moments that, you know, put you on the right pathway. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times we get locked up in the term failure and the negative implications of the term failure. But one of the most impactful growing experiences that I had professionally was I was working on a project uh, with a, with a former consultancy, and uh, it was a project that really stretched me. It was a project where I wasn't familiar with necessarily the subject matter area. Right? It was we were implementing a technology I'd never worked with before um, in a way that I'd never done before, and I was working at that time with a leadership team who, and the 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 analogy that I like to use is they gave me enough rope to hang myself. But then they lifted me up to get the noose off, right? They let me make mistakes and test my limits and then gave me the resources to fix it, which is one of the most important things you can learn as you're going through, as you're going through trying new things, expanding your boundaries, pushing your boundaries, learning. If you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. You're not taking enough risks. So take those risks, but make sure that you're doing it. And if you're a leader, you're, you're supporting your people in a way that allows them to take risks and then recover when things don't go so hot, when they don't go the way you intended for them to go. Yeah. And I like that because even though they gave you enough rope to hang yourself, they still lift you up. So even though you were going through that process where you had maybe those slips, trips and falls, metaphorically speaking, there was someone there to still put out the caution sign to let you know like, oh, the floor is still wet and et cetera, to be careful. And it's a bit of like a give and take, or like I like to say a tug of war, but I'm sure all of that experience that you went through made you stronger mentally, um, physically, emotionally, and et cetera, because you learned what your limitations were. You learned how to break down some of those barriers and you learned a valuable lesson on how to assimilate with other people, whether it's your colleagues that are, you know, in the same positions, whether it's upper management or et cetera. And I also want to um, ask you from that experience, what was the one key lesson that you took from that and how has it helped you create Blue Swift Consulting? The biggest thing that, that I took from that experience was as a, it was in my development as a leader, right? I was able to grow to such an extent on that particular project. It really helped me think critically about how I foster that kind of in- environment with others. And in a consulting environment, it may be you're fostering that environment with the people who work for you, um, but you can also foster that environment with your clients. So I do quite a bit of executive coaching and talking executives through being comfortable with failure, being comfortable with risk-taking. And thinking about how their organizations approach risk and allow or don't allow their people to explore and and grow through risk. And so what I took away really most powerfully for me personally 
was a, and continues to be a, a more open approach to trips and falls and a more constructive approach to things that just didn't go so hot. You didn't fail epically. Let's fail fast. Let's fail in little ways, recognize them, acknowledge them and do better next time. Yes. And move on. Don't just stay stuck there. And that brings me to this point, because you also talk in some of your other segments, how to understand and build cultural engagement within your team and organization. And I think part of building that team and having that holistic approach is encouraging everyone that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. It's okay to, you know, ask for help and et cetera. And I think that strengthens your team whenever they feel like they're not walking on eggshells. So you can you talk about that in relationship to overall learning from the failures? Sure. And there are, there are, macro organizational cultures that are very good at this, but you may not be operating in one of those. You may be in a culture that is broadly sort of hot and cold on failure, depends really on the individual leader you're working with. And so there, as a leader, your imperative is to foster a healthy environment for learning within your own team. Um, Things that you can do every day, right? Bring failure to light early and often, right? Make a regular habit of exploring with your team what did what did go well and what could have gone better, right? Reframing, dropping the word failure and talking about what could have gone better reframes learning in a much more positive light. And make sure that you're moving beyond retrospective, right? It, it can be tempting when, uh, when you're looking at something that didn't go well to externalize the failure, to push, figure out who's to blame and how you stay out of that situation, right? But that's fundamentally retrospective. And if you continue living in that space, you're not learning and you're also not moving on. And so get out, move beyond the retrospective, understand what happened, but then talk about what's next. Talk about what you need to be successful next time or what you need to recover this particular situation. And then I would say also encourage people to talk about their lessons learned, right? Encourage people to talk to their peers about the things that they've done and the things they wish they'd done better. When we normalize those conversations, then we normalize asking for help. We normalize being face forward about the things that didn't go right. And we normalize learning from failure. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And I do remember there was one incident when I was working on this specific oil and gas project. And what we would do was talk about the last project that we finished. And we started with the lessons learned. And then we then after we discussed the lesson learned, we discussed the path forward plan with this current project because there was various similarities that you could take from the previous project and how you could build upon those to execute, you know, a successful project. And I think that was, you know, beneficial. And then we had like a report out where each individual shared how, you know, they felt about the last project, what they walked away with from and what they plan to do better. So you have a recap. You have um, planning and then you also have like forecasting too, in a sense. And I think that was a good way to break things down. But one thing that I want to talk about too, Alyssa, is I think it definitely starts with leadership. If leadership creates the atmosphere 
then it also helps like the employees and you know their direct reports feel like they could be open about it. So in order to hit the ground running in a new leadership role that may be the one that calls out those KPIs, those key performance indicators that may look at the failure rates, that may look at retention and all the other things that different companies look for, what type of tips and tricks would you offer someone to look at what failure is and overcome those obstacles? When you're starting as a new leader in an organization, right, you have a group of people that you're leading that have been led before, that have understood the, the sort of the social order within the organization. And stepping in as a new leader is a change, not just for you as you learn a new role, but it's a change for your team, your new team, as they try to figure out who you are what from the prior environment will persist, what is going to be changing, what's new, what's new for your particular style. Are they going to get along with you? Are the relationships and the power that they've built um, socially within the team going to continue to hold? Uh, this is, it's, it's a big time of transition for everyone involved. And so when you're stepping into a new leadership role or is it into a leadership role as um, a new occupant for that position, it's really important to listen and to communicate and to ask for feedback, right? So listening to what people are saying, and also as you're presenting your perspectives, as you're presenting your style, make sure that you're asking people if it's resonating. Ask people if you're on the right track. Ask people for, for their perspective based on their history within the department. Uh, make sure that you're learning from past failures of the department, but that you're not punishing people today for the failures of the past, right? People that feel it can be very threatening when you have a new leader coming into the organization, make sure that people feel supported by you as a leader, make sure that people understand that you're there to continue to grow them personally and professionally, just like they're outgoing leaders, hopefully. Um, but make sure that this continues to be a space of psychological safety um, where we can talk about things that didn't go great and things we want to do better and be able to position yourself as a partner in doing things better. And how critical would you say 360 feedback is where the employees are giving feedback to the leader and, but the leader is also giving feedback. So I think it goes both ways. So everyone could kind of have those synergies. As a leader, you should know that 360 feedback is happening all the time. Your people, if they're not talking to you about how they feel about your leadership, they are certainly talking to each other. And so if you are afraid of 360 degree feedback, what you're doing is you're saying, I'd really rather not watch the news. It's happening, but I don't want to know. And I don't think that there are no leaders that I talk to in, in my practice um, in, in sort of my work experience before I, I started Blue Swift Consulting, there are no leaders that I talk to that say, oh, you know what? I just kind of, I don't want to know. I, I, it's out there, but like, I'm just going to close myself off to it. People don't do that intentionally, but they are afraid of what's going to come out. Um, I think facing that fear, facing that fear and coming face forward to what you may or may not hear and looking at it as a learning opportunity, people that provide 360 feedback are also making themselves vulnerable. They're exposing themselves to retribution. 
They're exposing themselves to negative impressions of themselves based on their willingness to share. Um, and so as a leader, again, collecting 360 degree feedback, you're not surfacing anything new. You're only surfacing what is out there for yourself and putting yourself in a more informed position to grow your, yourself and to more effectively lead your team. And so I encourage all of my clients to actively pursue 360 feedback and to create an environment where it's safe to give 360 feedback. Yes, I would definitely say that having that safe environment is definitely what's going to have everyone really want to be transparent, be vulnerable, participate, and actually grow with the organization because they don't feel like they're limited. They don't feel like they can't just be seen, but they could also be heard. So they're doing two parts. And I definitely think that it creates a welcoming space, in my opinion. And I've always thrived in um, organizations that did welcome the 360 degree feedback. Another thing that I think is important too, whenever you're learning from your failures and you're learning about yourself, your organization, as well as your colleagues is doing different productive index behavioral assessments, doing um, some people say the Clifton strengths, the strength finders and et cetera. And with you being um, in leadership positions, as well as running your own businesses, and et cetera. How do you feel about those different personality assessments? I like those personality assessments in terms of what they can show you that you may not have been, you may have recognized these things in yourself in the past, but you may not have had a language to talk about them. And so having that language to talk about the way you think, the way you feel, the way you work, what your strengths are, allows you then to have a conversation with others as you look to continue to develop yourself both personally and professionally. So I, I like those assessments. I like Myers-Briggs. I like Fire B. Uh, these are all assessments that have the potential to, to be a big amplifier for your personal growth journey, but they are only an amplifier insofar as you use them for personal development and you use them as a starting off point. Simply taking a Myers-Briggs assessment and identifying that you are, for example, an extrovert or an introvert. This is academically interesting, but it's what you do with that information. What does that mean for how you work best? What does that mean for how you're able to articulate what you need to perform at a peak level within your organization? That's where these assessments become really powerful. And so that's what I would encourage all of your listeners to Take part in these assessments and then use them as a jumping off point for doing more. Mm, okay. So whatever you said, jumping off, I don't know why I just got this uh, image in my head. I thought about like, you know, whenever the golfers get ready to hit the golf ball and they put the golf ball on the tee to get ready to swing. So I want to encourage you, where are you placing your golf, golf ball and is it positioned so you can accurately hit it to get it in that hole? That's right. That's right. Are you using the right club? Do you know which way the wind is blowing? So you know which way to strike, right? Have you thought, are you doing a full, are you following through on your swing, right? If you don't have a full swing, you're going to shank the ball. Same thing with Myers-Briggs. If you're not executing a full swing with that assessment, if you're not using that, the outcome of that assessment to think critically about what you do next, then you're never going to make it to the pin. 
Yes. And I always love just um, whenever we could feed off each other's energy and really bring those examples to life. And um, Alyssa, whenever you think about this topic, what else would you like to add here regarding learning from your failures? In 2021, the average employee received nearly 64 hours of formal training from their organization. That's 64 hours of structured learning. Now that includes compliance training. It includes uh, a whole swath of training. Organizations make a big investment in that training. And too often they lose out on the training opportunity that's right in front of them that is the training opportunity provided by failure. And even worse, if you're not taking advantage of that opportunity, you are not addressing the underlying, the underlying impacts and the underlying threads that caused that failure in the first place. And so I would ask everyone to think about how much time they spend on their learning and development in a formal setting, reading new books, reading on new subjects, taking e-learning, doing in-class learning, how much are you investing for yourself? How much are you investing for your team? And are you taking advantage of the free learning that comes from failure? Um, are you really using that to its best? Uh, and it's a, it's a really low-lying opportunity for you to get better in a really inexpensive and accessible way. And the one thing that I kind of want to add, because it seems a bit shocking, Alyssa, that they only spend 64 hours of structured learning in a year's time, because I feel like there was so much more that they could have done learning. And I feel sometimes with the LND bucket, sometimes it's just used to check the box, especially with certain CBTs, like they wanna make sure that you completed those CBTs. But what, what happens whenever that CBT has an easy click through that you could just take the test at the end because they've taken that CBT the year before. So they already learned okay. that, learned, um, the core competency. So all they need to do is just check it off to get that certificate so they could be in compliance. Are they really learning? And is that learning and development tool really working? Any structured learning that you're doing and the learning ends when you leave the class or the course, if you don't apply it, just like the, 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 the personality test or the skills assessments, right? Figuring out how to apply what you've learned and change the way you do things. This is what leads to improved, improved performance, sort of optimal performance. Uh, it leads to personal and professional growth. It's hard work. It's not enough to sit in the classroom. Uh, but the same thing goes with learning from failure. This is a, a lab environment where you can do experiments and figure out what the right answer is, but you only do it by learning. Reading the textbook is not enough. Mm, yes. And I like to say, if you're not learning, you're not growing. And right. within that growth, you know, failure is going to be a part of that growth because if you never failed, you're not going to know what to work on, what to improve and how you are there to help others. So continue to climb that ladder. And remember, success is not always going to happen overnight. 
and the people who do talk about success overnight, whether they're influencers on social media or other people that you've seen, they're not telling you the whole truth because there was a period where they were flat broke. There was a period where maybe they filed for bankruptcy. There was a period where they failed, but they don't want to accentuate their failures or et cetera. So don't always look at the shiny object and think, aha, I've arrived because there's always, you know, pressures that were underneath that kind of like diamonds. Diamonds aren't going to be pretty if they never go through the refining and the pressure uh, moments and the pressure points. People advertise success. They don't advertise the sweat. Mm -hmm. They don't advertise the work that went into getting there. And I think it does an injustice as to others who observe that and think that it is like success can be overnight, right? Every journey is a, a collection of ups and downs, even those journeys that look like they've been straight lines to success. When we learn from our failures, we can learn from small things that go wrong and course correct. When we hide our failure and deny our failure or deny the things that went wrong, those things build to become catastrophic failure from which it is very hard to recover. So it learn along the way, understand that there is a lot of work that goes into wherever you're going um, and, and take advantage of the richness of that work to grow personally and professionally. Yes. And I would definitely encourage um, the listeners and the viewers to ask themselves, what is your sweat equity? And then when was the last time you did a SWOT analysis on yourself um, personally and do one professionally? And for those of you who aren't familiar with a SWOT analysis, it's your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Now, shifting gears, Alyssa, I want you to tell us a little bit more about your consulting business and then your call to action for this segment. Sure. So Blue Swift Consulting is a, a change management consultancy. We do a number of different things with our clients. We do executive coaching. Um, we will host events and, and facilitate events and do keynote speaking if that's what, what's helpful. Um, or we can, do, we can do full engagements with our customers, um, looking at where you're looking to change, to drive change in your organization and how to improve your organization's resiliency to change, you know, Change is now constant. If it wasn't before, it certainly is now. And your ability and your organization's ability, so it's not just you personally, but what is, what's the infrastructure that you have set up to, uh, to enable and facilitate change and enable people to make it through change stronger on the other side, right? As you look at your organization, what is that infrastructure and do you need help setting that up? And so that's, that's what we like to do. Uh, we like to work with clients of a sort of a wide range of sizes and a wide range of industries because resiliency to change within a corporate setting, um, there are a lot of really consistent themes that we like to bring to the fore and learning from failure and uh, um, setting up risk, risk, uh, risk inclined organizations and risk inclined cultures. This is really key to, to driving success in the organization. So if you would like to learn more, we do have a website. You can visit us at blueswiftconsulting.com. And we'd love to have a conversation with you about your organization, about the challenges you have. Conversations are free. So visit us on our website, um, fill out the contact form, and we would love to talk more about the changes going on in your organization.
Amazing. And then what do you want to leave the call to action um, ads for our listeners and viewers based on what we've discussed today? Absolutely. Don't be afraid of the thing that went wrong. When you acknowledge it, you can get better. Don't hide a dead fish in your desk. Everyone can smell it. Everyone knows it's there. It's only going to get worse. That dead fish is a thing that could have gone better. Work on fixing it and get help fixing it. Be transparent about the things that you're trying to work on and the organization will rally around you and you'll find that you've got a lot of success both professionally and personally. That is an incredible gem and call to action, Alyssa. And we know how to reach you via your website, which is blueswiftconsulting.com. How can um, the viewers and listeners connect with you on social media? So I'm active on LinkedIn, both through blueswiftconsulting.com as well as my personal page. Um, And my name again is Alyssa Cox. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for carving out time of your schedule to be on GEMS podcast. Listeners and viewers, all of Alyssa Cox's information will be in the show notes. So there's no excuse for you not to connect with her. And I really wanna encourage you to learn from your failures. Your failures is what's going to set you up for success. And if you're not failing, you're not doing something right because everyone has failed in their life. So just give yourself grace and mercy, learn from it and grow from it. Until we chat next time, peace love, and lots of blessings. Remember, you are an asset, not a liability. You were created for such a time as this, and the world needs you to be uniquely you. So take ownerships of your strengths and don't hide in your weaknesses. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. We're on 40 plus platforms and follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services could be here on GEMS Podcasts.